How's it going, ladies and or gentlemen? This is Basketball, the pick and roll on KCPR 91.3. I'm not sure if this will air on air on our actual radio frequency, but at the very least, if you're listening to this, you already know what's happening. It's We're playing basketball as Curtis Blow. May he live at, as long as he needs to. Uh, of course, I'm here, Josh, as your host, and my co here, Taylor Garvey. Hey, how's it going? Groovy T. Should I say my last name too? We just maybe so. Josh Bilker. Let's go with the yeah. Josh Bilker and Taylor Garvey. Josh Bilker and Taylor and Garvey. The pick and roll back in full form on KCBR ninety one point three. They couldn't get rid of us. Basketball knowledge was just too strong. Uh, we're gonna start by um, kind of recapping this off season. Uh, first off, I guess it's important since we left off. I don't know what what month did we leave off on? It was like. We left off, as we said, um, I think we had one more game of the finals, yeah. and then, bam, I think, offseason hit. And boy, what an offseason was it. This was, was it. arguably the greatest offseason I think I've personally not been a part of, I guess, but like Been alive seen. for. But, but been alive for, yeah. It's just so much crazy stuff. I don't have the stat in front of me right now, but I want to say it's like 13 All-Stars or All-NBA players changing teams, which is absolutely nuts, you know? It's there's just a multitude of players, but we'll first cap it off with our NBA champions, our reigning NBA champions. Not for long, though. Let's let's be honest. The Toronto Raptors may was it a ride, but boy, was it short lived, unfortunately, because, of course, Kawhi Leonard took finals MVP and took that money straight to L.A. We're just going to recap that real quick. Just cause, just get that out of the way. We're going to go in order by teams in offseason, but just, to, you know, recap. At the very start, I guess, right? Yeah. Leaving Clay Thompson with a torn. Oof. Oh, yeah. In- I forgot to mention the injuries. Yeah. 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 Clay Thompson. That the last game. Yeah, you're right. Um, Clay Thompson tore his ACL, of course. Um, sucks to see. He was really troopering it through the finals. He's one of the toughest players I think I've ever seen. I still love Clay Thompson. I don't know. Do you like- I love Clay Thompson. Yeah. Clay Thompson's one of my favorite players in the NBA, arguably. Um, and then, of still course. Still hit those free throws. Still hit those very Mamba esque. Yes. you know, like when Kobe tore his Achilles. Um, what was that? 2013, I want to say, and then he went back and made those two free throws, and then <laughs> missed a whole year of playing time. Um, anyhow, and then of course you have the big injury too with Kevin Durant, who was hurt in the second round against the Rockets. Um, there was a lot of talk in the background via media and teammates and just chatter around NBA Twitter and whatnot that people were like annoyed with uh, uh, Kevin Durant with him not coming back when his team needed him just kind of like saying that he's just protecting himself for the offseason because he wanted a payday all this stuff which of course what do we know about KD he's very thin-skinned very thin-skinned he has burner accounts on Twitter in which he (laughs) keeps in touch to the pulse of the critics absolutely and so from there on, obviously it bothered him. Bothered him enough to come back when he wasn't ready, let's be honest. That's what it, it seemed to be. Uh, he was medically cleared, but I still, I don't know. He he wasn't 100% healthy. But he came back around, what was that, game three, game four? Game four, maybe? I, I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, and he killed it, honestly. I think he was six for seven. He, was, he scored like 15 points in the first quarter. Second quarter tragedy just absolute tragedy struck he a non-contact injury non-contact yeah just total yeah it's 
he tore his Achilles in the second quarter. Um, you can actually have you seen the clip of the slow motion of his Achilles like yes. snapping? It's really gross and it really Very gruesome. Sucks to see. Um, and then of course the worst part of this was the Toronto Raptor fans actually because we didn't get to talk about this uh, last year, but um, we're cheering at that injury. Actually, they were they were clapping him off the court because not because it was like a you know like uh wow he got up after that what a what a hero it was like a good you're in pain type thing and you're gonna miss time this is our championship which is just one of the worst things yeah it's very sadistic and sad to see but yeah it makes me wonder i don't know if they knew the severity of the injury that's a good point i wonder if this would have happened just in any arena but potentially to be fair kevin durant does have a lot of targets on his back you're right so you're right i i had a lot of respect for him though after like coming back this early just to like i mean for all the reasons we mentioned before about the um you know, his him potentially risking his payday in the offseason. You know, if he got hurt, a lot of people, were, which he did, a lot of people were talking about that he might not get the max, actually, and that a couple teams, for example, the Knicks, didn't offer him the max deal, which is... Which is insane. It's insane, right? Yes. I, I, I can't believe it. And I still think if he didn't get hurt, I think he wouldn't have joined the Nets, which, again, we're kind of jumping the gun there, but... That's just my conspiracy theory. I think if he was completely healthy, he'd probably want his own team and probably it seemed like Kyrie wanted to go to the Nets and he like got Kevin Durant along with him versus the contrary is what I think would have happened. Yeah, Kevin and Durant. I think he lost a lot of his power in trying to kind of lead Kyrie because I think they did kind of want to team yeah, up. Absolutely. And once he had that injury, it was kind of like, well, I think Kyrie kind of has the majority like opinion on this part like he's mm-hmm. the one that has to lead it and i'll make i'll be willing to compromise where if he yeah. was healthy 100 percent kd the top three player in the nba that we know him to be it would be just kind of like well Kyrie, you kind of you kind of fall into place i'm absolutely leading this, i'm leading this team yeah so i mean now we're stuck with a year without kevin durant uh this year and Kyrie's <laughs> set alone to lead this brooklyn nets team this young brooklyn nets team uh, potentially playoff contention. I mean, I think they're definitely still going to be like a top six team in in the East because it's the East. But I, I don't know. It scares me, <laughs> you know. Uh, without Kevin Durant, and then of course you have Kyrie Irving once again as the face of your franchise, and n- that has never worked out once. Uh, in this entire his entire NBA career as like the the guy the captain of the team and he said um, this is the first time that he's been able to kind of choose his own fate yeah and so maybe that will be kind of the ultimate right. factor but still I, just, I think Kyrie is just a weird guy and I don't think no matter where he is he'll be happy because in a way it's like a perfect fit with him and uh, Kevin Durant because they're both like I I don't think either one knows what they want per se. Because Kevin Durant left OKC, a great situation as far as basketball and media. Everyone loved him in the league to get a ring because he thought that was what he was supposed to do. It didn't grant him what he thought it was, the clarity or the acceptance or anything like that. And he was miserable in even a better basketball situation, but a worse media situation, arguably, because he was completely villainized. Um, and I can't think of a better basketball situation in which they kind of left the reins of the Golden State yeah. to him and Steph yeah, kind of Steph, took a backseat, back seat, very selfless. He deferred, yeah, which is so cool. I, I, I mean, 
he had everything. But I mean, it was always it was still Steph Curry's team though, because regardless of the narrative, it was always that Steph was the one deferring to him, not he was like allowing Kevin Durant to take the reins rather than it was the narrative was never Kevin Durant is leading this team by like you know to to glory ever and I think that's maybe what he wants he doesn't want to be like the side character in this heroic narrative that he was trying to cast I think but that's just all speculative of course so uh is there any closing thoughts on this whole Kevin Durant saga and Toronto Raptor dynasty. (laughs) I think um, just when I was analyzing, when we were analyzing the playoffs, I just kind of had this constant just itch or this this constant intuition that there was the chemistry of kind of Golden State State, Warriors were kind of thrown off by Kevin Durant. And so now they're back to being the underdogs. And I think they like that situation. I think they like being the underdogs as many um, superstar athletes do, as many dynasties do. Yeah, and I like their I like their odds this year even to for a potential upset once Clay Thompson gets back and we'll talk about D'Lo a little bit later joining that team. But I I mean they're still in contention for a title next year. I mean they have the pedigree alone and that's scary and I just it's it's going to be an interesting situation to watch as long as they can stay in like a they get home court advantage in the playoffs, top 4 seed. I mean, they're going to be a scary team because that's going to be even potentially before Clay Thompson even comes back. So who knows what's going to happen next year. And then it's no gap between losing Kevin Durant, one of the league's best players, as you mentioned earlier, and them running for another title. All right, so let's get into the offseason, which includes we're going to be breaking down team by team uh, the relatively minor moves and, um, you know, just like, uh, complacency some of these teams have we'll just spend as little time on as we need to and I think that's exemplify, exemplified perfectly by the first team that we're going to talk about which is the Atlanta Hawks yes didn't really make too many huge moves per se they took uh they took on Alan Crabb's contract from the Nets that was like one of their first offseason moves uh to take to get uh Brooklyn's cap situation uh, open enough to sign two max guys, which they, of course, got Kyrie and Kevin Durant. And DeAndre Jordan, of course. You have to throw that name in there. But they had a pretty good draft. They had uh, two high draft picks thanks to the uh, Luka Doncic trade last year. They traded with Mavericks. They swapped first-round picks uh, where they got DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish. So what do you think? Do you would you rather have Trey Young, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, or Luka Doncic? I think I would rather have the. I think I'd rather have Trey Young. I'm a big Trey Young. I love Trey Young. I yeah. I do too. However, I think Luka is going to be an MVP I, caliber yeah. player. I he is so good. He is. Um, after this whole thing, Cam Reddish has a lot of question marks. He was one of the nation's. He was the nation's like top prospect coming out of high school. And he fell all the way to like nine or ten, I think nine, I want to say, in this draft. So that just kind of shows how much stock has fallen from him. But I really like DeAndre Hunter. I think he's going to be a great wing player, not necessarily like a star player, I don't think, but he's going to be a really good defender, a pretty solid shooter, and that's kind of what they need. They need defense. This Atlanta Hawks team. They have Trey Young and John Collins, one of the worst defenders in both their positions. Trey Young statistically actually is like the worst NBA defender of all time last season in his rookie year, which is only up to go from there. Yeah. Of course, uh, I'm sure he'll improve 
a, a little bit once you, you know you get your footing right and et cetera, et cetera, blah blah blah. I don't necessarily know how to do defense in the NBA. I'd probably, I mean, Trey Young's still a better defender than me. So yeah, yeah. Um, well, you've got to put that to the test. That's but. a good point. Yeah, I'd I'd love to try to see if I could actually. Do you think I could stop like like just like an average NBA player on defense? Absolutely not. No, but. right? Yeah, like just blow by me every time, completely body me. It just wouldn't be fun. So that's pretty much it for the Hawks. Relatively, they're still in rebuild mode. You know, uh, they've got a lot of really solid pieces. Um, they could potentially be a really scary team in about two to f- three years. But here's the thing, though, I think that is interesting about the East this year is they're so bad, the Eastern Conference, that a team like the Hawks that are completely in rebuild mode could still make the playoffs. They're they're good enough where they, I think they could potentially make a run at the seventh, eighth seed, you know? I agree. Yeah, I think so, the balance, for yeah. last year, the balance was... Like we always talk about how the West is always way better than the East, but yeah. last year there was kind of a nice little balance that took place, but that completely got yeah, thrown off. Yeah, that's completely gone because yeah. now there's only two teams in the East that I'd be really scared about, honestly, and that's the Sixers and Bucks, yeah. which, you know, basically stayed the same. But all right, so next team, uh, which is the Boston Celtics. We're going in alphabetical order by city. Um, Boston Celtics had an interesting offseason. They, of course, lost Kyrie Irving to the Nets. But one would argue that that's kind of a plus um, for a lot of people. They replaced him with Kemba Walker, who's definitely not as good in a basketball sense. But in a chemistry sense, I don't know. I, You know, I think you got to be happier with, in that situation, right? I yeah, mean, I mean, career-wise, Kyrie Irving is undoubtedly better. Yeah. But last season, I think I was just looking at the stats between Kemba Walker and between Kyrie Irving. There was practically the same stats. I mean, they, I think they both average like the, in terms of how many points they averaged, the steals and blocks, it was like practically the same thing. And I mean, just to counter, I agree with you. First of all, I think they're closer than probably you'd think. But I mean, I don't know how much stock do you take in like good stats, bad team type thing? I mean, because that none of even though they had pretty similar stats, it didn't correlate to yeah. team success. Charlotte, yeah. So, but however, I mean, even that, you could counter that argument with the fact that you could say that the defense is only focusing on Kemba Walker, right? That's the only player that scares you on Charlotte last year. And he's still putting up those kind of numbers. So I don't know. It's optimistic. No, pass- yeah, you I know, it's a good, I think that's a good point. Yeah. I, so I don't really know what to make of it. I really like Kemba as a guy, as a player. I mean, he was making so underpaid at like $12 million a year for the past like two, three years. Just felt terrible for him. Nicholas Batum, one of his teammates, is making $30 million, for instance, you know. So I'm glad to see him in a better basketball situation. Uh, a big blow, though, is they lost Al Horford. Yes. That's huge, I think. That's going to wind up really biting them in the butt because— Especially when you got to pick up like Enos Cantor and yeah. he's not going to be able to do the same defense. No, not at all. Nearly as close. He'll be able to somewhat maybe match the rebounding in the inside game, but Enos Cantor is definitely not a great post defender. And Al Horford is just such a versatile player that he can really he can defend guys on the perimeter and you know in the post. He's just a great hard worker. Doesn't really care about stats. Super. From all the reports, he's a super good teammate and was like the chemistry staple in this Boston team. However, didn't really matter last year 
with <laughs> Kyrie because that was probably the biggest problem was chemistry. However, I, I, I said however twice. Wow. But I think um, you got to be optimistic about Boston this year. I think you got Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and even um, uh, Gordon Hayward potentially all making a leap from last year. Uh, and I so, think just Gordon Hay- Hayward just going through a really big rebuild year. Yeah, and yeah. He, I think he's going to have his confidence back. Yeah. As it, many people who do who go back into who deal exactly. with very gruesome, gruesome injuries. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of Paul George. Uh, if you did, you see that really bad injury? Oh yeah, yeah. in the off season. Yeah, like, and he um, came back and wasn't too great that first season. But then he, I think he got traded to OKC the following year, and he was amazing for the next two years, even better last season. And honestly, I think Paul George last season was probably his best in his career. So I mean, I think there's a lot of be MVP talk that was somewhat, going around. Yeah, somewhat. You got to be somewhat optimistic, I think, about Gordon Hayward going into this because I think he's just such a good blue chip kind of guy that I think he'll regain something. And of course, Jalen Brown was looking pretty good towards the end of the season. He there's a lot of weird contract talk with him though, um, where he wants to get like a two hundred million dollar extension from Boston, but Boston is not granting him that. So, because that seems like an overpay. That's about how much Jamal Murray made. And he's his agent's arguing that, like, it's, yeah, he's like a Jamal Murray-type impact player. But Boston's kind of arguing back that Karis LeVert got a very uh, cheaper contract, about three years, 50-something million. Then that's more of the range they're willing to pay. Is about a quarter of That's the interesting. price. <laughs> yeah, I heard about this contract talk with Jalen Brown. Yeah, so this is going to be really interesting to watch if um, if Jalen Brown can improve enough, kind of get to like a borderline All Star position, maybe you know, um, and really cement himself in this team. You know, I think you could be looking at Jalen Brown getting paid the big bucks, which yeah. is crazy. But anyway, let's move on to the next team. So this one's. Really kind of fun. talked about this. Yeah, you know, Brooklyn Nets. They, you know, I will say they lost D'Angelo Russell. That's going to be a huge blow. I'm, I'm just kidding, actually. They, <laughs> they replaced him with Kyrie Irving. I, I really like D'Lo, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, you're swapping D'Lo for, you know, Kyrie Irving. Who's basically, like, a more matured and more well-established D'Lo. Absolutely. Um, probably about the same defensive output they give. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you can't really be sad about either way, you know? Um, and there was like, that just, I mean, that was like one of the first kind of stories that broke was yeah. that Kyrie is going to be teaming up with Kevin Durant. Yeah. Yeah. And that still was nuts. Cause even though we kind of, not we, but like the, I guess the NBA media kind of talked about it for the last, like the entire season, pretty much that Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, were going to team up in New York. People assumed it was the Knicks, first of all. And but little did they know. Little did they know. It was all Brooklyn. All Brooklyn. And I will say, um, I don't like that this speeds up their development cycle because they were like a rebuilding, young, fun team last year where they were just like excited, young, energetic, quick, just constantly cheering for themselves. And now, unfortunately, they're forcing maturity on all these guys, which is not going to be as fun. And we I saw think. how that kind of went with the Lakers. Boston, yeah, uh, oh, Lakers, Lakers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Lakers yeah, and Boston. And Boston, too. And Boston too. It's kind of like a common theme. Yeah, it's it, which is kind of, you know, it's it's, it's 
kind of scummy. You know, I don't know. That's the one thing is like, I was really excited for the Lakers last season too. And, you know, LeBron just kind of made everything too serious, I think, for everyone. And they, too much pressure and they kind of crumbled. And they felt, I think it just kind of imposes this attitude of disposability. Like if you're not going to show up and play, yeah. you're you're done. You're just a trade piece. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, what, what happened? <laughs> we're going to be talking, I mean, like how, how, how early in the season are we going to talk about potentially trading some of these Brooklyn Nets beasts for clearing the way when Kevin Durant gets back? I don't, you know, I mean, these are real conversations, I think. Um, I don't any, and, and of course, I forgot to mention uh, uh, DeAndre Jordan, of course. Oh, yes. Yeah. Which is the most crucial piece of this all. Yeah, that's I, the big, that's, that's the big X factor that's right That's the big there. one. Yeah. I honestly, it depends what kind of DeAndre Jordan we get. Because I really like Jared Allen, um, so I don't know if they put him at the, like, they play both of them at the same time, or if one of them comes off the bench, but I would like to have more minutes go to Jared Allen. I love Jared Allen. Yeah, like, yeah. he's so much fun. He's he's just a really... Great defender. Uh, yeah, pogo-sticky kind of guy where he just gets lobs all day, pretty much. Similarly to a young DeAndre Jordan, one could say, um, I just don't really like what DeAndre's done in the last couple years of his career. One of my favorite Clippers of all time, though, I will say. I really love DeAndre Jordan. He was, like, the only reason why the Clippers' chemistry situation didn't completely boil over. He was, like, the most collected guy out of that CP3 Blake Griffin um, whole team. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I think maybe he still will be a good chemistry guy, so maybe he'll be a good balance, kind of be the Al Horford for the, uh, the Nets this year. And I think that's the role that he has to kind of accept that he has to play because, you know, yeah, it's gonna be there's gonna be undoubtedly a lot of tension and a lot, a lot of, of unwavering. Because again, I mean, this Brooklyn team probably not that great this year. I mean, well, they're definitely not gonna reach their full potential when Kevin Durant's out. But again, still a playoff team, definitely like a top six team. You know, just with Kyrie alone. I mean, they're gonna be probably worse than Boston, but I mean, I they could finish as high as. I mean, the only teams I think that are better than them right now are uh, Indiana, Boston, um, and even Boston, I'm not even sure, actually, and then the Sixers and Milwaukee. Yeah. Right? I mean, I don't—so it's going to be really interesting. I, I don't think those six teams are all—I expect to make the playoffs, but after that, I don't know. And even those six teams after the first two that I mentioned before, the Milwaukee and Sixers, I still don't feel confident about it either. But, but it'll be a good test run. It will be. It will be. It will be. Like, I wonder how mature this Kyrie Irving will be. And there's going to be minimal pressure, so. That's good. Well, we'll see. In, until Kyrie starts getting annoyed at everyone for not yeah. playing well as he does. As he yeah. does. I just feel like he's going to get to hero ball early and often, and it's just going to be a mess. Because after, like, Karis LeVert and maybe Dinwiddie, like, I don't think anyone's like a go-to scoring option even those two guys I don't feel super confident about taking a shot every time and I don't think Kyrie does either but let's go on to the the meme of the um of the of the offseason teams yes that is the Charlotte Hornets that was Oof. there was a report that I think that the Charlotte Hornets were blindsided <laughs> by the fact that Kemba made the All NBA team. Yeah, yeah, which How is you, so funny. It's the so, lack of faith that you have in your own teammates is ridiculous. It's <laughs> like, like you can believe that, like behind closed doors, but to actually say that to the media on top of that, like, well, we didn't expect to give Kemba because that, of course, affects. In case you were uh, un- unclear, why that's important. 
that uh what uh made Kemba eligible for the Supermax contract, which is like a two hundred twenty five million dollar extension by the team that signed him. Or the the original team that has the bird rights on him. Um so the fact that he made the all NBA team kind of upped his value by about fifty million or so. So that's very good for Kemba and his agent, but kind of bad for Charlotte. But yeah, so they said that to the media though. It was uh, like an excuse, I guess, yeah, as to why like, they did like, so poorly in the offseason. But see, it's just so cause they really should have traded Kemba. I, I just don't understand that. Cause if they thought there was a chance that he if they like let's say going into the offseason from like the all star break before the trade deadline, they're like, Well, if Kemba Kemba could potentially make the all NBA team. And if he does, we can definitely not afford him. If there's even a chance that you're not going to bring him back and that you're not too sure about your chances, even if he doesn't make this super max um, like threshold. Don't let him walk for nothing. Don't let him walk for nothing. Exactly. You can at least get a pick for him. I just don't understand. It's just asinine to me. It is. They should have traded him to a contender because the market is there for him. But then, And then another report was that they didn't want to trade him before the All-Star break because he was representing Charlotte, and I believe it was, was it in Charlotte? I want, it was, yeah. The All-Star game was in Charlotte, so they didn't want to trade a home player for their All-Star break, which is, again, so stupid. So short-sighted. It is, exactly. Short-sighted. Perfect. Yeah, I... But in idiots. the positive, they had enough money. They <laughs> freed up some money to f- sign Terra Rozier for a just absurd contract. A ridiculous amount of money. A a career backup point guard who is not great. You know, he's like an average point guard. You know, he he played well in the playoffs last year. Again, as a for a backup to Kyrie. I mean, I think he went into. Um, uh, for starters once Kyrie was like actually out in that playoff race but not a great player that you have on the books now for three or what is it four years I want to say I gotta I gotta look at that but it's just it's absolutely terrible um, he's making about 20 million a year I don't actually see the contract on here but oh boy and then they also drafted I forgot to mention the draft on this is the PJ Washington uh, who's who's a pretty solid player. Um, I just think they have a lot of forwards. They still have Michael Kidd Gilchrist and like Bismack Biombo. I think they have one of the Zeller brothers still. I'm not entirely sure, and that's just off tops. I just don't like all this. Did you did you pull up Terry? Yeah, in case yeah. you were wondering what the uh, Terry Rozier contract was, it was three years and fifty eight million. Fifty eight million. Woo. That's and I think there's an option for a fourth. I'm not positive though. But that's absolutely terrible. Um, I don't like that signing at all. Arguably the worst signing of this entire offseason. Um, I don't know what could really beat it. Do you, do you I agree? think it is. I, I agree, too. But that was very, very... Taylor did not miss a beat, ladies and gentlemen. He just charged his laptop <laughs> right now and just took out his headphones and did, was completely in that conversation that entire time. It's a pick and roll. It's a pick and roll, baby. You the pick, I roll. Yeah, of course. Sometimes it's vice versa. Yeah. Right now we're picking and popping, though, I'll tell you. All right, so let's get into uh, the next team because, I mean, the the Hornets got to be probably the worst team in the NBA. Let's. I mean, I I don't think there's a worse team right now at the top of my head. I'll probably – there might be a team I know I'm forgetting that is going to be probably almost as bad. 
but we'll have to get to later once I remember them or something. So I think got, other teams may have done like not a lot to improve, but this is this was just like no, it was this is bad. It was this, a is a, step, this is a step backwards. It wasn't just a step backwards. This was five steps yeah. backwards. <laughs> they just like their entire roster is occupied by crappy contracts. And you just added one more. It's just ah, it's so dumb, so dumb. Just trade all your first round picks while you while you can. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So next we got the Chicago Bulls. I. Really like what they did in this offseason, actually. Um, they drafted Kobe White, which I I really like Kobe White. He's probably, besides John Morant, he's my favorite point guard from this draft. He's going to be so good. He had a great uh, summer league, and I guess preseason starts, I believe, I think this weekend, actually, so we can watch more of that when the time comes. They did lose Robin Lopez, but, um, you know, whatever. <laughs> Allowing the Lopez brothers to yeah yeah link up. yeah no that's very cool so they got yeah both Lopez's Pe- Lopez I um yeah just to clarify the Bucks yeah the Bucks up yeah Robin Lopez yeah, and Brooke that, Lopez yeah. yeah that's a good point and they got Brooke Lopez for a pretty good deal too but we'll get to Milwaukee later um this this Bulls team though not only got Kobe White they got Tomas Sadoransky who was the like the lone bright spot for the Wizards. The Wizards are the, the other team I was thinking that could be the worst as well, depending on the Bradley Beal situation. But we'll have to see about that. We'll get into the Wizards probably towards the end. Um, but I really like that this is a very young core team, and they just got a point guard, which they've been lacking in for a while because they had Chris Dunn play for him, and Chris Dunn just was not cutting it. Putting Kobe White, it's just instantly better in my opinion. Zach Levine, probably going to take another leap. I really like him. Otto Porter was great for them last year. And then Laurie Markkinen and Wendell Carter Jr. Those guys are all under, like, 23. They're going to be good. Uh, maybe not this season. I But even then, I think they could potentially be a playoff team. Like I said, like like we said, the, it's, the it's East. completely open. It's wide open. Yeah. Wide open. Way more open than the West. Um, but I I think, yeah, the Bulls could easily fight for, like, a seventh seed. And they have a bright you know? future as well. Bright future yeah. Bulls. I, I, I take that. I strike that back, by the way, the 23 and under. Otto Porter, I believe, is 26. But aside from that, yeah, they're all super young, bright future. I don't like Jim Boylan, though, as a head coach. He's just he's kind of like a, a hard kind of guy, very stern, very, like, do push-ups right now type of coach is what it seems like. And it's just kind of weird. Anyways, uh, I've got nothing else to say because that's going to be a wait-and-see kind of team. But they'll develop, I imagine. The Cleveland Cavaliers. I I don't know. I, I don't really understand what the Cavs are doing, really. They drafted Darius Garland with the uh, was it, fourth or fifth overall. I think it was the fifth overall pick. When they already had Colin Sexton, they both play point. They're both ball dominant shooters. I don't know how this is going to work out at all. Um, they're just going to have to run both of them, maybe like a similarly situation to like Houston, maybe with Chris Paul and James Harden. That somewhat worked, so who knows? Uh, they have a new head coach too. Don't remember his name at the top of my head. Um, let go of Channing Fry. Let go of Channing Fry. Big blow and and J.R. Smith apparently. Um, and actually, I do like Kevin Porter Jr. the draft as well. Um, we'll see. The big question mark I think for the Cavs is going to be what happens with Kevin Love. He's on the books for about three or four more years. 
and I don't know what's going to happen with Kevin Love. Um, seems like they're going to probably want to trade him to a contender, but I don't know what the market is necessarily going to look like. The Trailblazers are the first team mentioned that are interested, but I don't know what they can give up as far as matching that salary because it's still about $22 million, $24 million. Kevin Love's great, but I don't know what exactly happens. But I think going into the season, him and Bradley Beal have got to be the top targets for a contending team to add that last piece. Like I think like the Celtics might have the assets. They still have a ton of picks. The Nuggets actually have a young, young, young assets as well. A couple picks they could throw in for either one of those guys. And of course, I mentioned the Blazers. I think all all three of those teams are like one move away from being serious, serious threats. Or do you think that out of all those teams would be kind of the most ideal place for Kevin Love to fall? Kind of would be the most <sighs> snug place that he could fit. Uh, I gotta say, Trailblazers. I like the probably. Trailblazers. Yeah, because they yeah. don't have a four. Is the problem? They really only have guards and centers. So they really don't have any like power forwards. And I think Kevin Love would fit pretty well with. Um, CJ McCollum and uh, Dame. But I don't know. We'll see because Nurkic is still going to be out for a bit too. So we'll see how Hassan Whiteside plays for the Blazers. But we'll get into them again, I guess, T, so a little bit later on. Yeah. So next next team, the Dallas Mavericks. Um, didn't make any major additions this offseason, um, like big, big deals. They, of course, did not have their first-round pick thanks to the Luka Doncic move-up trades with the Hawks last season. But they kind of already had their offseason prize at the trade deadline with Chris Stapp's poor Zingas. Absolutely. He is coming back from an ACL tear. He has not played in about a year and a half, I want to say. But boy, he was a superstar when he was getting there. And he's the seven foot two guy. Just has handles, great shot, good rebounder, good defender, rim protector. And he got buff. In this offseason, I don't know if you've seen pictures of Chris Stapps. I haven't. He's he's, he's got to be reckoned with. He's big. He's big. He was pretty lanky before because he's just the seven foot two white dude from Europe. Yeah, uh, as they usually Slovakia, are. <laughs> maybe uh, I'm not exactly sure. I don't want to say that off the top of my head, um, but of course, you know I think that Luca and Chris Stapps combination could potentially be absolutely fire and i think the worst part about the mavericks though is this team is good and it has the potential to be very good but they have no chance in the west Uh, i'll list the west playoff teams eventually or should do you want to run by the west playoff teams right now just maybe towards maybe towards the end yeah yeah as we kind of get to the main players and how they kind of became these so solidified into the west um they also signed they made a couple of good like Role player signings. Uh, I like Seth Curry. They paid him a lot of money though for him. I think they paid him like eight mil for like four years. So that's kind of a lot for a guy that can really only jack up threes, but that's a valuable commodity in today's NBA. So who knows? Um, Boban, of course, Marjanovic. Love Boban. You know, he's a seven foot four guy. You know, he's great. He's just a really, really lovable dude. And then uh, DeLon Wright, I really like as well. But, I mean, that's virtually it, you know, for the Mavericks. Uh, I think, again, though, this is a team that's going to be scary if this Chris Stapps and Luka combo work. Maybe not this year, but they're about a year away, I think, from being 
really good. If Luka makes like a giant leap forward and Kristaps kind of picks up where he left off, I mean, this team is still going to be, um, I don't know if they're going to be a seventh or eighth seed. I think they could be in the running for it, but I think they'll be a good um, upsetter. What's well, There's a term for it, though, like a, a team that is like, you know, like... Uh, yeah, I think it's not called the up, like upsetters. No, I I don't think it is, but it's something similar to that. That the sentiment's the same though. It's it's yeah. a team that's that's always looking to upset the other team. They're just that good. But I just contention wise might be a little too early for this season. Next we have the Denver Nuggets. So their roster kind of stayed the same, um, with a couple of. Um, Really good, solid additions, though, I think. They traded for uh, Jeremy Grant from the OKC Thunder. A really good four, actually, though. I, I really like Jeremy Grant, actually. He's a really good 3 and D power forward, and I think he'll complement that entire Nuggets team. And they still brought back Millsap. They signed Jamal Murray to a pretty ridiculous extension, as I mentioned earlier, for Jamal Murray. But, I mean, we watched the Nuggets play the Blazers in round two together last year. Jamal Murray. He was a huge factor. He definitely he stepped up in the playoffs. really good. Yeah. But he still was pretty hot and cold, though. I feel like there was a game where he would just shoot. He looked like Kobe in a couple of these games where he just matched every shot Damian hit. And then there was games where he just looked terrible. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It just seems a little too expensive. But I don't know if you're a small market team like Denver – you just got to lock up your players while you can, maybe. Right? And you got to bet on a young player like Jamal. Yeah, I guess so. And I, you know, I do like him, but it's it just scares me, is all. Jokic, of course, I think will continue where he left off, be this MVP, borderline type of player. Only thing I'd like to see, maybe, is him kind of getting his stamina up because he looked pretty sluggish. Yeah. Is the thing. I mean, that's part Especially of the. when they appeal. have him doing, doing so much. They have him. He's one of the best passing big men I've ever seen though his handles are so good you can just hit anyone at any point and it's just it's unreal um I really like Denver they were a second seed last year I think they are going to be a very good regular season team I think come playoffs though I don't know if they have the star power to compete with either the LA teams or Houston but I think they're going to be a very good uh home stadium type team though absolutely along with the Utah Jazz, which would have been a really good transition if that was the next team. Uh, Next, we have the Pistons. I really don't have a lot to say on them. They still have a very, very, very injured Blake Griffin, um, kind of just hobbling around on one leg. Still love Blake Griffin. He had a great season last year. Um, And then they drafted um, Sekou Dumbia from France. There's kind of a lot of question marks with him, but he's he's a good player, I think. He, He has potential of being... A really solid NBA player. Um, How do you feel about the addition of Derrick Rose? And that was what I was going to mention. Yeah. You know, do you you know Derrick Rose is one of my favorite players of yeah. all time. Yeah. Um, a good, a good, a very uh, humble. Yeah, I love love Derrick Rose, especially you know there was one of my favorite moments from uh, the last NBA season and recent NBA memory when he is scored his that high. 50, 50 point game was just so cool to watch. I didn't watch it live, unfortunately. But um, hell of a game, though, that he put up that night. But I wish it was any other team but Detroit because I just don't like Detroit for some reason. I don't know why. I just don't like. You like it better just on the Timberwolves? 
I think so. Um, I just kind of wish, I don't know what Derrick Rose's career is anymore, though, to be honest. I don't know. He kind of wants to be this role player now, I think, and just kind of help out guys. But like, I, so I don't think he's trying to compete for a championship. I think he's competing for himself and just yeah. trying to prove that he's still somewhat of the guy he used to be, which yeah. is, is admirable. But I just wish, again, it was in, I just, I think it's the jerseys. I think Detroit has one of the ugliest jerseys in the league. I really, I don't like the color scheme. I don't like the name Pistons. I don't like their logo. Yeah. I just hate Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> um, Not a lot of positive connotations. No, no, no. <laughs> sorry and, to all the Detroit viewers. Yeah, sorry. Uh, there's a big, big Detroit fan base. But that's pretty much all I want to say about that. Next, we have the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, kind of completing the story of where D'Lo went after Kyrie kind of took that space in the Nets. Yeah, so... They, of course, got D'Angelo Russell back. They, lo- of course, lost Kevin Durant and sort of Clay Thompson uh, for most of the season. They resigned Clay Thompson, of course, because he's just a warrior, full bred, and just completely the perfect complement to Steph Curry. The, the first and second best shooters of all time, arguably. Um, but they, of course, are going to be without him for most of the season. So you know what? They went out and signed a max player, which was... I, you know, I we were talking about this earlier, but this is, I, I think we both agree, this is one of the most shocking moves in this offseason. Yeah, for a while it just didn't kind of make sense, but it kind of does in the context of, you know, them um, not trying to lose Kevin Durant yeah. for nothing. And I think it was just, it was just um, kind of demonstrated the winning organization that Warriors is. They Definitely. just want to create these assets and kind of fill the place of Klay Thompson yeah. until, you know, yeah, they're the not, they're not sitting there twiddling their thumbs just thinking now what? They're they're immediately striking back and just retooling from there. And even if D'Lo is a bad fit, which could potentially happen, is a great asset. Somebody's going to want him to trade for. I feel like they're still like Minnesota and Phoenix both still probably want him. So I think that the market for him is still there. Yeah. We'll see. They also lost, of course, hometown favorite. One of my favorite Warriors of all time is Andre Iguodala. They traded him yes. to clear up some cap for the Stilo signing, unfortunately. Uh, traded him to the Grizzlies, and now the Grizzlies are kind of, it's really funny, they're kind of holding him hostage in a way um, where he doesn't really want to be there, and the Memphis just wants to get something back for him, basically rather than flat-out releasing him, which is smart, of course. Um, but just the narrative is really funny that he just won't show up to training camps and just kind of, like, wants, just, like, trade me type thing. And I think they're they're going to want to get a first-round pick for him, which I don't know if there's going to be a team that's going to do that for a 34-, 35-year-old Iguodala. Mm-hmm. I would, though, but I don't know. Like, if I'm the Clippers or the Lakers, though, it's kind of scary already giving up so many picks via trade. To give up one more for Andre Iguodala? Yeah. I don't know. Um, Anything else? They also got Kevon Looney on a very cheap deal, I should mention. Um, Kevon Looney is like a 23-year-old center. He looked really good in the finals, though, I will say. So, you know, if they put him at the five next to Draymond, I like this team. You know, Draymond signed an extension as well. Stop being a distraction, I guess, is what he said. He didn't want people like lingering over the fact if he's going to re-sign or not. Kind of a blow to Kevin Durant, now that I'm thinking about it. Kind of like a slight to him, you think, right? Where like yeah. the whole season was kind of like, is Kevin Durant going to re-sign? 
And I think, like, Draymond Green wanted to, like, kind of, like, shoot one more thing with them because they did not like each other towards this season, in this season. And I think it was one more, like, screw you, Kev, like, type thing. You know, like, yeah. I'm not going to be a distraction for the whole team. It's kind of a, now that I'm looking at it, there's a lot of big, iconic Warriors that kind of left. I mean, Sean, Liv- Sean Livingston. Yeah, Sean, he retired. Um, yeah. uh, DeMarcus Cousins, of course, on that cheap one-year deal. Poor guy. I feel terrible for DeMarcus Cousins. I do, too. Yeah, he injured himself again in the offseason, and he's going to be out for the full year. So, poor guy. I, I, you know, he's just a hard worker through and through. That's kind of it for the Warriors. I We kind of mentioned earlier, I think there still can be a contention title favorite come playoff time. Clay Thompson comes back, let's say, around the All-Star break. Who knows? You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, they have the pedigree of a great organization, and Steph Curry is Steph Curry, one of the greatest players of all time. I don't know, man. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Definitely going to be one of the teams that I'm going to be watching every game for. Me too. Next up, we got... The Houston Rockets. Wow, do they have an interesting offseason? So just to recap from where this team was two years ago, they were up 3-1 to this phenomenal Warriors team, one of the greatest teams of all time, arguably, with Kevin Durant uh, on that 73-9 team, basically. It wasn't the year they went 73-9. They were up 3-1 in the conference finals, this Houston team, against that Warriors team. And just to see where they are now is just completely, it's ridiculous, right? You know, they were up 3-1, lost in seven to that Warriors team, and the Warriors went on to win the finals, of course. And now it's a completely different team. I'm not completely, but they traded most of their core assets, I guess, kind of. Well, they got rid of Chris Paul, I guess, is what I'm dancing around, Um, who was a crucial effort in that, Houston team that took that team to seven games. And who did they get back for Chris Paul? Wait, uh, wait, sorry. No, <laughs> no, no. Back? Yeah. Uh, who did they who did they trade Chris Paul for? Um, I don't know. Do you actually not know? Oh wait. Sorry, I'm zoning out. <laughs> I'm zoning out right now. Oh my they god. Tra- they so traded him for Russell Westbrook. Yes. There we go. And and four first round picks. I'm sorry, Taylor. I didn't no. mean to put you on the spot. There. No, no, no. <laughs> I you, the way you looked at me, it was like a test. I was like, kind of got nervous. I thought, <laughs> well, I definitely knew. I definitely knew. I'm in no, touch. No, no, I touch. know. I know you did. I'm touch. I, I know you did. I, I was. That's why I was like, I was like, are, are you good? <laughs> no. <laughs> um. Yeah. So Russell Westbrook for first for four first round draft picks from the Houston Rockets. They. Yeah, I it's it's quite the haul, considering um, Chris Paul and James Harden just did not want to play with each other anymore. Was the report there was just all these big drama breaks between the two of them, and just they just hated each other this last season. And that's that's pretty a uh, common pattern with Chris Paul. I feel like so. Oh, absolutely. I think he's one of the worst teammates of all time, arguably. So now he is on this terrible. Uh, Oklahoma City Thunder team just kind of chilling there until the market develops for him. If it ever does. If it does. I think it will. Chris Chris Paul. Chris Paul's still a good player. I think someone's going to get an offer for him. Uh, We'll talk about the trade market for Chris Paul once we get to the relevant teams. Um, But I think potentially Minnesota, Milwaukee even 
honestly, and Miami's the big, big team that wants him. And the more I think about it, the more I kind of realize that this was probably a good move for the Rockets because they were, like like we said, they were hitting their ceiling. Yeah. And this is kind of like just, you know, always keep it pushing, always keep it moving. Yeah, don't, be stagnant as a, don't be stagnant yeah. as a team. Yeah, and it's going to be really interesting to see how this dynamic between Russell Westbrook and James Harden work because on paper, I don't know if this team makes sense. It's a thing. Russell Westbrook, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Russell Westbrook is one of the worst shooters um, probably of the last couple of years. He, he shot like an abysmal 20-something percent. Um, pairing him with James Harden in this three-point happy seven seconds or less offense that they run, I don't know if it works. I don't know. Because he takes a lot of really bad mid-range shots. He's a ball-dominant player. You're pairing two of the notoriously high-usage players in the NBA together that need the ball in their hands historically to be successful. I don't know. What do you think? How is that going to work? I think they might just, you know, it's almost like they just kind of switch off in between each possession and they just kind of go ham. And maybe if they get double teamed, then it will give free space yeah. for one of them to ice to, to play the ISO game that they usually like to play. Yeah. Yeah. I think we'll have to see. I think the triple-double era is is over, though, yeah. for Russell Westbrook. I, I mean, he's still going to get a few here and there, I think. But I don't know. What do you think overall, though? Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook, just face up. What do you think? I just think that it was just, I think it was wise just on the Rockets part, just because I think that, like I said, they need to, like, keep it moving. And it may have been a Hail Mary, but after they blew their opportunity last year in the playoffs, which was, like, a perfect opportunity set up for them, they realized that. Yeah, Kevin Durant was hurt, and, you know, they had this, they they blew, like, two games uh, of that series, that round two series. Uh, against Warriors at the Warriors. And it was kind of very, and it looked like very obvious that the Rockets could take it if they just stepped up their yeah, game in the playoffs. Absolutely. But it was just something that never went into fruition. So I think that they yeah. need to, they needed to make a move. And I think that there's increased chemistry between, you know, uh, Harden and Westbrook. Yeah, they seem to actually want to play with each other, um, you know, which is very cool. It's cool to see them reunite from, of course, the Oklahoma City Thunder days. Uh, both of these guys are both pretty different players at this point. Um, James Harden, of course, is one of the greatest players in the league. I, it's kind of crazy that James Harden is better than Russell Westbrook at this point, you know, considering yeah. where they started off as. But I think the game just evolved and uh, Harden evolved with it, and Westbrook yeah. kind of stuck to his game. Absolutely. Um, where do you where do you like this team finishing as? Like, what in a playoff race? Uh, fifth, fourth, fifth. Or Okay. All right. We'll we'll have to Worth break that down soon, ish. Um, I have a feeling we're probably gonna have to cut these episodes up. By the way. Yeah. So this is probably gonna be part one. Once we get to fifteen teams, we'll, and then we'll save the rest for later because we're already at the hour mark, just or fifty minute mark. Just to let the listeners know. Um, also, I'm losing my voice a little bit. So. It's which is fine. It's it's fun. You have been doing a lot of the talking. I have been. I appreciate that. Yeah. No. 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 So I, the, I'm kind of a narcissist, Taylor. I don't no. know. You know. <laughs> um, so we'll move on. I, I'm I'm a little skeptical. About, uh, fin- closing thoughts, I'm a little skeptical about Houston. Where do you have them finishing? I think they could potentially, I, I think, yeah, probably five or six. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm going to say four. Four is probably where they're going to end up. But I think come playoffs, though, I think they're going to be a very good team. 
Uh, but regular season team, I think, is going to be a little weird to see how the offense works and defense even works. Um, but I'm, I think it's either going to go really well or really poorly is the thing. But I think it's going to relegate to James Harden just kind of playing hero ball pretty much the, the rest of the season when it doesn't work type thing. Yeah. But let's go on to the Indiana Pacers. Um, they got Malcolm Brogdon from Milwaukee, which is pretty big because they took away good pickup. Yeah, yeah. It's, because not only did they kind of add to their um their depth there, they also took away a pretty core piece from one of the best teams, if not the best team in the East. So that, I mean, that's a rival for them that they that they kind of snuck a piece out of. Uh, of course, Vil- Victor Oladipo is hurt or was hurt. I th- I don't know when he'll be back. I don't think he'll be back for the start of the season. But this Pacers team is pretty good. They were one of the best teams in the East before the Oladipo injury last year, um, which is just a shame to see. And they still have Miles Turner and uh, DeMont- uh, DeMontes Sabonis. DeMontes Sabonis? forget how to say his name, but they did lose Bojan Bogdanovich, um, which is kind of a big blow, though. But, I mean, if you replace him with Malcolm Brogdon, um, I don't know. What what do you think? Do you have any thoughts on the Pacers? It's kind of like a small market team, so... I don't know. I just I'm glad to see Victor Oladipo back because he's going to be I one of my too. favorite players, and that was kind of one of the most Oladipo. tragic moments. And I think yeah. in the last year was there's a lot of people rooting for him, and he was kind of leading this team that was kind of the underdogs, and now he's yeah, be, no, no, no. back to I I agree, and I think this team, like I said, I think they'll be a pretty good regular season team, as I mentioned before. I see them finishing about top three, or not yeah. top three, but like probably three three or four. I'm thinking. We'll have to see exactly what where they go. But um they'll be a good regular season team again though, I have a feeling. We're gonna get into the we're gonna skip over Los Angeles because for the next episode, because there's just so much to unpack there. We don't really want to go too far over the hour mark. Uh we're gonna finish off with the Memphis Grizzlies, who had one of I'd say probably one of the best sneaky good off seasons of the year. Um, they of course got the number two pick out of thanks to the lottery odds. They kept their pick, which would have I think, I think it might have gone to Boston if it went outside the top ten. I want to say I could be wrong about that one though. Um, they of course drafted John Morant was kind of the unanimous second best guy from this um, draft. Really great point guard, and then they got a sneaky good player with Brandon Clark. Um, towards the end of the first round in like the mid twenties, he actually won the summer league MVP. They, they, I mean, so that just shows how good this young core on Memphis is. You know, uh, John Morant. I don't even think played at all during the summer league team uh, season, and just Brandon Clark and I don't think uh, Jaron Jackson played either. But they're just a really good young team. I think you know they're not going to do much damage but they're going to be a very fun team to watch in in, uh as far as development goes i think they have a lot of really solid young players jaron jackson jr i think has the potential to be like a you know top 20 guy eventually i I really like jaron jackson um triple j jaron jackson jr love him and brandon clark of course i liked at the time when they drafted him and john morant will be great i think 
Um, and of course, they re-signed uh, uh, Jonas Valanciunas for a relatively cheap deal. Actually, it was pretty good value. He played some great minutes for him after they got him in the um, uh, Marcus Salt trade. They have a really good retooling, and of course, they already have Andre Godala to get more assets for. So that's going to be very good. I I'm kind of talking because I know I don't think Taylor has too much to say about. The I don't Memphis have a lot Grizzlies. to say. <laughs> this is more of like a like an NBA nerd kind of team. I feel like like a like a like a statisticians team or something mm-hmm. like that to watch. They're not going to be super exciting, but they're like this young, very athletic core. We'll see how they do. I guess. Um, but on that note, we should probably end it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. Taylor is. Pretty tired. I'm We're tired. Maximizing myself. my extent to my MBA knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. Um, thank you, Taylor, for joining me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll have you on at some point. I don't know when this episode will go up per se, but we'll get it up probably within the next 24 hours. So you'll probably be listening to this. I mean, if you're listening to this when it comes out, thank you, first of all. Second of all, it'll probably be about Friday, I'm guessing ish. But thank you guys. This has been the pick and roll on KCPR. Thank you for listening. This will be on Apple Podcast, on our website, and everywhere else. Um, so thank you. I hope you enjoyed. Have a good rest of the, your Thanks, day. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, thank you, Josh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just niceties always. See you guys.